I know some of you adults want to leave too, but I'd ask that you not. Um, that would be great. Well, happy Easter, everybody. He is risen. There we go. Enthusiasm. I love it. Well, hey, I just want to take a moment and welcome everyone here to Easter Sunday at Covenant Church 2015. And I see a whole host of faces that I don't know, which is great. Some faces that I do know, which is also great. And if you're new here or if you've been coming forever, I just want to say to you, welcome. Our mission here is plain and simple. We want to know Jesus and we want to make him known here in this community and out in the world as well. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, if you've been walking with Jesus forever and ever and ever, or you've just come to know Jesus, or you don't know Jesus at all, I want to welcome you here. We want you to feel comfortable and excited to be here this Easter Sunday. Well, my name is Ben Espinoza. I serve as a pastor here at Covenant Church. And before I get into my sermon, there's just a few quick announcements I want to share with you about some of the really cool, exciting stuff we have going on at Covenant Church Uh, Just this week, Greg Jenkins has been working tirelessly to get our new website up and running. Uh, It's going to look fantastic. You're going to be able to see staff, leader bios, our mission, our vision, the ministries, people to get in touch with. It'll be really, really exciting. So you can look forward to that this week. On April 11th, we're going to have this thing called Princess for a Day, which is going to be a fantastic gathering for, for girls in foster care. And uh, just so they can feel beautiful and and welcome and everything. So that's going to be fantastic. Kids Count 2 is going to be putting that on, so you can look forward to that. And then on April 17th, I'm going to be running another lock-in for the youth group. So if you have kids uh, between 6th grade and 12th grade, uh, they're more than welcome to come. We'll get some details out to you soon. But I love lock-ins because not only do you get to drink an ungodly amount of Mountain Dew and eat an ungodly amount of pizza and eat eat all sorts of snacks that are totally bad for you, you get to have some really great conversations with the future leaders of of the church in the future. So if you have kids between the ages of 6th and 12th grade, then they're more than welcome to join us. On April 25th, the women's ministry is going to host the Ladies' Pancake Breakfast. Uh, I'm saddened that I'm not invited to this. However, I think I'm going to be flipping pancakes, so that'll be, that'll be exciting. So. And then on April 26th, uh, we're going to have a Financial Peace University kickoff, and Matt Padgett and Dan Watt, two of our amazing deacons, are going to be hosting that. So if you have any questions about money or finance or debt management or anything, this is going to be the time where you get to learn more about that. And, and as always, you can contact us here at the church, office at bgcovenant.org, and we will get right in touch with you. Or you can fill out a brown card at the back, fill out your information, and we'll get in touch with you. And if you do so, I will personally give you one of our Covenant Church mugs, which, uh, which I love, and I know a lot of you love as well. So... That's what, we're, what we got going on this, uh, this April 2015 here at Covenant. Well, today is Easter Sunday. And whenever I think of Easter, I think of nice, light, pastel colors like pink and blue. And I think of Cadbury eggs, which I don't like very much. Um, I have no idea what's on the inside. I just can't get around it. I like the chocolate, but I just, I, I just can't do the filling or whatever. And, um, and I think of the Easter bunny, too. And just how, how terrifying it is that we let our kids sit on the laps of human-sized, mutated, mutant rabbits at the mall. That's kind of scary one, one way you think about it, okay? <laughs> but more than anything else, Easter is just this great time to reconnect with your family and your loved ones. And, and maybe you're here this morning and that's exactly what you're doing. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're just looking for something. Maybe you're looking for encouragement or comfort in the midst of your darkest times. Maybe you're here because it's just part of what you do. You go to church on Easter Sunday. 
Maybe you're here because you need hope, or, or maybe you're here because you feel like God wants you here today. Easter is the time where we celebrate hope. It's when we celebrate the fact that there is something more to life than we see, that there's hope. And where do we find hope? In an empty tomb that's been abandoned for around 2,000 years. And to a lot of people, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate today, it gets lost and buried in the midst of all sorts of cultural and religious ideas. If you're not a Christian, Easter just may be a time where you reconnect with your spiritual side and come to church, but the resurrection doesn't leave an impact on you. Or maybe you are a Christian, and you hear this good news of the resurrection of Christ every single Sunday, and you just grow numb to it. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. And it doesn't have that same impact on you at all. But the thing about the resurrection is that the mo- it's the most important component of Christianity. It's what separates Christianity from all the other claims of all the world religions out there. Without it, Christianity falls. However, if it is true, as I believe it is, the implications are far-reaching. They're transformative. They're redeeming. They're restorative. They're hopeful. And they're rescuing. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We'll have the text here on the screen. But I want us to read this together. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the resurrection story. And then we're going to take a step back from it so we can better understand the significance of the resurrection in the context of the whole Christian narrative. And while we read scripture and as we take a journey into God's word, I want you to think about this big idea that the God of the universe is on one huge mission to rescue all of creation. Please read with me Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Then they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. You'd skip down with me to verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see me. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. 
Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you that we could come here today to celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus. I pray that as we open your word, that you'll illuminate it to us, Lord. Help us to understand what you want us to understand today. Open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes to you, Heavenly Father. In Christ's name, amen. So that's the story of Jesus' resurrection. The disciples see Jesus, they don't believe it, and then they finally do. And however, as I mentioned before, the resurrection is the linchpin upon which all of our faith rests or falls. And in order to understand it all, we've got to go back to the very beginning, to the very first uh, verse in the very first book of the Bible. That's the book of Genesis. We read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And to summarize those first few chapters of Genesis, I'll say this, that there was a time when there was no hate, when there was no prejudice, there was no suffering, there was no war, there was no famine, there was no death. Animals lived in harmony with one another. Creation was perfect, and humans were united with God in the Garden of Eden. And it says in those first few chapters of Genesis that God charged Adam and Eve to rule over the earth, to subdue it, to govern it, to cultivate it, to be responsible for it. And he told them that they could eat of any tree that they wanted except for the one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if they ate that fruit, they would die. And the serpent, who's this tempter, the accuser, the enemy of God, Satan, the devil, who tries to get people to stray away from the way of God, he t- gets Adam and Eve to eat of the only tree that God told them not to. And what are the consequences? Death. But it just wasn't physical death. It it meant all the consequences of death entered into the world. Hate, fear, pain, prejudice, war. While Adam and Eve's sin seemed very, 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 very small, the consequences were absolutely dire. And what we need to understand is that our God is a God of life. And and for sin to enter the world, uh, God had to remove himself from it because God can't be anywhere near death. And humanity couldn't abide with God in the same way they did before. It changed everything for the worse. So humanity has been cursed by death forever. We've been separated with God. And as a result, we have an orientation to thoughts or practices that harm ourselves, that harm others, and bring dishonor to God. And we call that sin. And the crowning achievement of sin, this separation from God, is that one day... If you, maybe when you least expect it, or maybe when you most expect it, you will die. Before this fall of humanity, humans were immortal. But since we've been separated from God, our existence on this earth is temporary. But God doesn't leave humanity without any hope. We see a God who gives second chance upon second chance upon second chance to everybody. And it says in Genesis 3 that God will send a Savior. And this serpent, the one who opposes God, the accuser, Satan, the devil, the Savior will will crush his head even though the serpent may bruise his heel. 
In other words, God would rescue humanity from the influence and the power and the consequences of death through a person who can crush the head of the enemy of God forever. And as you read through the whole Old Testament, you see God seeking to rescue humanity and return things back to the way that they were. He rescues the Israelites from the hands of the oppressive Egyptians out of slavery. He gives them a system of sacrifice so they could cover their sins and have some sort of relationship with God through that. And you see him using these people called prophets to call Israel and the whole world to turn back to him and turn away from all the other gods that they worship. And in between the Old Testament and the New, God was silent. And it seemed as though all hope for a redeemer, for a rescuer, for a savior was lost. But at the right time, God sent his son Jesus to make a way for, of salvation for the entire planet. Through his life, Jesus showed us the way back to God. How to live a life that honors God. What it means to be his child. And and what we celebrated this past Friday was a celebration of his death. Because his death provided us that way back to God. Whereas we all deserve punishment for our sins. That that bad stuff that we do. Jesus offered himself a once and for all sacrifice for all the bad stuff we've ever done or ever will do. His sacrifice ultimately bridged the gap between God and humans and gave us access to God without having to go through a priest like the ancient Israelites had to. But the thing that we celebrate today is the fact that he did not stay dead. There was no body in that tomb. The stone was rolled away. And this king, King Jesus, the Savior, the Rescuer, finally proclaimed himself as the triumphant savior over all of humanity, determined to end death and suffering as we know it. Now, imagine you're one of the disciples like we read about in Luke chapter 24. And this person who transformed your life and taught you a better way has suddenly died. Think of how hopeless you would be. Think of how depressed you would be. Think of how beaten and defeated you would feel, knowing that the enemy didn't just bruise your Savior's heel, he took your Savior's life. And think about how hopeful and joyous and excited the disciples were when they saw their Savior was alive and risen from the dead and triumphant in all his glory. Jesus' death is when the serpent bruised the heel of the Savior, but the resurrection of Christ is when the Savior crushed the serpent's head. The resurrection of Jesus marks the end of death itself. As the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, For since death came through a man, through Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So the resurrection is God's rescue plan to save us all from death. And as I said, God, who stands outside of time and space, had this plan from the very beginning. He knew he would have to send his son to die for the sins of humanity on a cross. And he knew that Satan would get this this short-term victory when Jesus died. But he also knew that he would raise Jesus Christ from the dead and demonstrate his power over all the universe. And if you believe in him with your whole heart, You have that victory over death. So that's the background. That's the significance. That's the context of the resurrection. 
And that brings us to today, to Easter Sunday 2015 in the United States, in Ohio, in Wood County, in Bowling Green, on 1165 Haskins Road, right here in the Sanctuary of Covenant Church. How does this apply to every single one of you? What are the implications of the resurrection? Well, the first implication I want to point out is this, is that Jesus, through his resurrection, has rescued us from darkness and has brought us into the light. We see that our world is racked by darkness. You just got to turn on the news and you see prejudice and you see hate and you see war and you see death. You see Christians being beaten and beheaded and being tortured. And we, knew, we know deep down that this just, this just isn't right. We know that there is a better way. And when you come to believe Jesus, we begin to see things as they should be. And our commitment is to show others the way that, they should, that things should be. And Jesus talks so much about how the way things should be. He talks about loving our neighbors. He talks about laying down our lives for people, of sacrificing for people of humbling of ourselves, of caring for the least of these, and loving God with our whole hearts. And the great British author C.S. Lewis said this great quote. He said, I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun, not because I can see it, but by it I can see everything else. In Jesus, we see the, as the world as it actually is, desperately in need of rescue. That's why in our body, we're, we're devoted to participating with Jesus in bringing people from darkness into the light. That's why we support and volunteer at the Daughter Project, where we seek to, to take girls out of sex trafficking. And that's why we volunteer and support the Pregnancy Center, helping people out of dire situations. That's why a lot of families in our church adopt and foster lots of kids, because Jesus, through his resurrection, has called us out of darkness and into the light. Jesus' resurrection says to the world that you are not in darkness anymore. He has risen and he has shown us the light, the light of himself. But not only this, Jesus' resurrection has rescued us from hopelessness for hopefulness. Imagine yourself as one of those disciples on Good Friday. And think about how devastated you would be to see your Savior, whom you love dearly, beaten and battered and abused to death and tortured before finally suffocating a violent death on the cross. Imagine what that would do to you as you wait in anticipation of the day that Jesus said would come, the day that he said he would rise again from the dead. Think of that state of hopelessness you would be in. And remember how Jesus appeared to the women and the women told the rest of the disciples and how they didn't believe it? Because they lost all hope for their Savior to come back from the dead. And yet you can imagine their surprise and their joy when they see Jesus and they realize that he did come back, just like the Bible promised and just like he promised time and time and time again. The resurrection says that God will not leave you without hope. Even when you read through Genesis 3, and I encourage you to do that one of these days, you see all these consequences of death leaves you hopeless, but God still leaves you with the hope of a Savior who will crush death itself. And you know what? On Easter Sunday, around 2,000 years ago, he crushed death forever. And the Apostle Paul wrote that one day, that if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you'll receive a new incorruptible body, just like our Lord Jesus. And when we have these new incorruptible bodies, we'll not feel any pain. 
will not feel any sorrow or any sadness. We will be holy and perfect and immortal. And if you look toward the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, you'll see that the resurrection provides us with the possibility of living in a new heaven and a new earth where death has been eliminated forever. And the trials and tribulations that we've experienced here on earth won't even be a memory. It says this in Revelation chapter 21, that in a future day, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who seated on the throne, the one that crushed the head of the serpent, the one that killed death, the one that died for our sins and rose again on the third day and ascended to be with God in heaven. The one who sits on the throne said, I am making everything new. And that means the cancer or the disease that racks your body will cease to exist and your body will be made new. It means that there will be no war, no famine, no disease, no death. And as Christians, we have this hope to look forward to. That there will be peace on earth, just as the disciples, this is Jesus told his disciples when he first appeared to them, peace be unto you. With the resurrection, we're not left without hope. And finally, Jesus' resurrection has rescued us from death and given us abundant eternal life. Now, now, a lot of times when you go to church, you often hear the gospel, this good news explained as Jesus came, died, rose again. Because of this, we get to spend eternity with God in heaven. Now, that's all true, but, but it misses out on the robust, the rich nature of the gospel. That we can have abundant life here on this earth in preparation for abundant eternal life with God in heaven in the next And if you believe in Jesus, then you know the joy and the thrill and the excitement of what it means to follow Jesus. It means that your mind and your heart and all your actions are geared toward bringing light and life to people around you. It means that our lives are full of the love of God and for one another. And it means that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can bring light and life to everybody on this earth. And while we're here on earth and we're in Christ, we have abundant life. And the resurrection rescues us from a life marked by hopelessness, by pain, by sadness. And we have an abundant life filled with hope, joy, love, and purpose. But the resurrection has also promised the joy and the hope of an eternity spent with God. And if you know Jesus, you know the immense peace that comes with knowing that when you die, you will be united with God in heaven forever, for eternity. When we die physically, our soul lives on with God forever. Sheldon Van Auken, who was a a close personal friend of the great C.S. Lewis, he writes of the last time he saw the great thinker and writer. As they exchanged goodbyes, Lewis said to him, I shan't say goodbye, we'll meet again. And C.S. Lewis crosses the street and he calls back to his friend. And he says, besides, Christians never say goodbye. Paul says this about the resurrection. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus, we've been rescued for abundant, eternal life with him forever. So 2,000 years ago, in an empty tomb, the whole world was changed in an instant. God's plan from the very beginning of sending his son to die and rise again, set in motion a course of events that would lead to this very day, this very hour, this very moment here in this place. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here right now. And I want to ask you a question. And the question is this. What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is still in a tomb somewhere in the Middle East? Or do you believe that he's still sitting at the right hand of God the Father, currently rescuing us from the grip grip and power of death? C.S. Lewis, he wrote that Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. The choice is yours. You either stop at Good Friday or you start on Easter Sunday. But the point is this, regardless of what you believe right now in your heart about Jesus Christ, God is still on a rescue mission to redeem this whole planet, to redeem you, to redeem your soul. God's been on a rescue mission, and he's on it for now and forever. Please stand and pray with me.